This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> and welcome in to episode 136 of Half Measures. It was three years ago last week that our very first podcast went live and we started tweeting about it. And here's the guy. We started tweeting about it? We started tweeting about it. And I was going to say, Dan, time flies when you're watching TV. It does. I, In fact, I was saying to some people the other night that – uh, that I record a podcast with you. And I was like, we've recorded 135 episodes. And like, that's huge. Like, you know, uh, how many times you have to repeat something to become an expert, Paul? Probably thousands for us. But, like, you know, the fact that we've done this 136 times is a pretty incredible feat. It is. I, th- I don't know what the, you know, three years on what it is for you. But for me, it's now I don't even, I don't even think about the the, you know, when the red light comes on and it's not, you know, on air, I don't, I don't feel like I'm on anymore, which is probably why I'm starting to say even more controversial and horrific things like I did last week. <laughs> well, I think it's normally the first thing people ask, like how much prep goes into the podcast. Right? And we say this all the time, like the, the, the clue is in the title. Like we've pretty much, hit, we've watched what we've watched. We've opened up a few tabs. We hit the record button and away we go. Like it's pretty, like it's, it's never been scripted, which is, yeah. Again, kind of mind-blowing, isn't it, really? It is. And when, you know, we obviously talk before we press record, but let's just say we talk for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever we talk, I reckon 97% of that is talk about work or stuff that's going on with the fan or whatever, and 2% is like, right, who's who's hosting? What are we doing? Should we hit record? Because I've got to go to bed. Yeah, that's normally it, right? So I'm like, oh, we better stop talking. We'll be here all night. Let's let's record a podcast. <laughs> and and none of it is is podcast related chat. Like it's literally just like life. That's good. Correct. It it, it makes it easy, and it gives me uh, even more um, respect for those podcasts uh, that do all the work and come in with notes and come in with all the things um, because that's a that's that is a bigger ask. Sometimes I do think because. You know, I think you know that we're we're really letting people peek behind the curtain here. Sometimes I do think to myself, God, it would be helpful to actually know what you've watched so that I could actually prepare, you know, a bit of information, like prepare the the website stuff. But it's like we're literally just doing reveals to each other on the podcast. That's it's, right. That's how real time it is. It's, it's nothing, you know. Otherwise, where's the fun of me revealing that I've watched Fast and the Furious and you, you were saying to me that I've watched Star Trek: Strange New Worlds? You know, those moments, they're great moments. Indeed. Indeed. Look, it's it's a it's a great part of my weekly ritual, Paul. Likewise. I'm all I'm all about it. Yeah. Shall we do what we do best though, Dan? Because I have more, I've not watched much this week, but I have got one thing for you. But first of all, what have you been watching? That's such a we should get that on the t shirt. I haven't watched much this week. And then Nick Nick for our podcast. All right, so I've got a, a couple of TV shows for you this week. So the first one is a, a TV show on Apple TV, and it is a, a 10-part TV show called Loot. And so this was kind of a bit of a, a random choice that a, a friend of ours actually put us on to, saying that they'd watched the first episode, and it was all right, so you know, check it out. So And we were looking for a bit of a, a palate cleanser. So this is a, a comedy, and it's basically about a woman who divorces her husband of 20 years, um, and she, in the divorce, gets a huge $87 billion settlement. And so she's kind of like almost like she's mid-40s, kind of resetting her life like she's got more money than she knows what to do with she's always kind of lived this life with you know fancy yachts and mansions and private jets and all that sort of stuff um and so she decides her sort of her newly divorced reinvented self that she's going to go and sort of re-engage with a, a charitable foundation that she runs and it's basically one of those you could imagine Paul like you're you're working in your job, mm-hmm. and the name of somebody's on this building who you've never actually met, but they they're the they're the sort of the the funding behind it all appears in your office and tries to get involved, and it's it's kind of one of those TV shows that like it's 
Look, it's not going to be in my top 10 list, and I didn't overly like it to start with, but I'll tell you by about sort of episode three or four, it kind of had a little bit of a spark of something that I started to enjoy, and then by the end, we kind of found ourselves having a great time. It's got a pretty, like, it's a pretty, it feels like a very sort of common sort of sitcom basis, right? So you've got this rich billionaire woman, she's got like a, this assistant Nicholas, uh, played by Joel Kim Booster, who's who's hilarious. She goes into this workforce. The workforce are kind of frustrated with her and kind of hate her being there. She kind of messes as much stuff up as she does get right, but she fixes everything with money because it's, it's so much money, it's just ridiculous. And all, all of those sort of characters are almost sort of a little bit cliche in themselves, but there's a weird charm in this show that, as I say, really grew on me by the end of the sort of 10 episodes, and it did its job as a as a, as a a palate cleanser. It took me a while to find the show. I thought you said Loop at first, and then I had to open up the Apple app, but Loot. So uh, I have always uh, found Maya Rudolph hilarious ever since, I think, uh, probably the, the go-to would always be bridesmaids um so straight away i'm like okay that could that could definitely be one for me because i always find her hilarious and then looking through the support cast there are some names i recognize there which are always gonna be good value adam scott in particular um so this this is one where you really need to give it a a fair sort of a, a fairly uh you know a long a long lead to start yeah I, th- I think it is a it's a long lead um but they're short episodes so it kind of like balances itself out i think oh, yeah. it kind of feels like it's trying to tell the the jeff bezos from amazon story where obviously he's you know famously recently divorced and it's it's kind of it's in that league of like they've got this ridiculous ridiculous amount of money and yeah I think in first episode, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Episode two and three, I'm like, oh, do I like these characters? Are they for me? And by the time we sort of, like, you know, they're so quick, those episodes, that by the time you're kind of thinking this is for me, the next one's already automatically playing, and all of a sudden you're kind of laughing along. And as I say, by the end, we, we had a really great time. Like, I think it might be a show, like, we kind of watched it over probably about seven days Mm -hmm. and so I think not rushing it too much even though it is short but sort of you know a couple of episodes here and there I think it's you know if you've got Apple TV it's worth a watch um it does grow on you it wasn't an instant hit for me it's kind of getting mixed reviews um on IMDb and on Rotten Tomatoes it's definitely more favored by the critics than it is um the average user review but it's a look it's a it's an okay show uh, and between some of the other, you know, we've had so much top tier TV this week. It's well, this this year. Yeah. Sorry, it's it's fine. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And um, I see it's got a second season commission, so that's a good sign that there's more coming. I just think the premise just is enough for me. I just love the you know, divorcing her husband of twenty years and then has to figure out what to do with eighty seven billion dollars. I mean, it's so much money that it's it's unthinkable um, that you can just do what you want and have as much fun as you want along the way. So. Um, yeah. Well, she she literally makes a joke at one point in the in the TV show that she's sort of doing this speech, and and like in about twenty minutes, she typically makes about twenty million dollars, like just just by doing nothing. Like there's so much money there that's like through investments, through all sorts of things that it's she can't even keep up with the level of spending. And just in a in a world where you know there's a heavy spotlight on, you know, should anyone ever have that much money, and what what does that look like, and and how could how could it be sort of put to good use? It's sort of a not a deeply fascinating, but it kind of a it kind of spotlights some of the issues and and sort of gives you a little bit of something to think about. I was reading this week about the Elon Musk Twitter deal might be back on, and it sort of cited how he was he was worried about the price. And it's like he's two, was he two hundred and twenty billion dollars? It's um it's it's hilarious, isn't it? But um I'm I've added this one to the list. I have I've had a really good run with everything I've seen on Apple TV plus this year. It's been a real um awesome little find. Um so it's on the list. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what sold us as well. Like there's most stuff on Apple TV seems to be pretty good. So mm. I don't think you'll go too wrong with it. It's as I say, keep it in the palate cleanser category, keep the expectations low and, and you'll have a good time. And you've also got the producer of parks and recreation behind this as well. Another one of those, those shows that when I think about a rewatch comedy parks and rec is so up there. 
indeed and, and it, you can kind of see some of those qualities come out in it so I don't think it's quite at that tier but it's it, you know it, it could have the potential to get there if, if it can get a sort of a, a long enough season run and kind of build enough charm but it's I think it's got potential not to drag the point out but if you think about the US office the first season the first three or four episodes weren't that great right they were they weren't when you compare it to like the rest of the season because they tried to copy the UK office and whatever but that show just went from strength to strength to strength so you never know. That's right. That's right. It's a it's a really good example. That that first season of the US Office is a is a rough watch. All right. So the next TV show I've been watching. This is uh, very popular at the moment. Uh, we've been watching Dharma, which is Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story. So this is a, a ten part uh, mini series on Netflix, highly talked about, and it's basically a, a story of the. Milwaukee monster told from the perspective of victims and the police um, and it, it tells the story of Jeffrey Dahmer how he became um, a, a famous serial killer tells the the tragic story of lots of his victims some of the hor- horrific things that he's done now this type of TV show is not really in my sort of wheelhouse of, of interest like I'm not really a big kind of true crime guy I I don't know there's just something about these types of shows that just doesn't doesn't overly sort of spin my wheels but I've just heard so much hype about this Paul that I was like right I've got to get on it I need I need to bring this to the half meters audience and everything I hear amazing amazing so dark and gritty can't get enough of it I tell you Paul I didn't overly enjoy it and that's going to be going against so many people uh, that I think have watched this TV show because I know I think I am in that sort of weird category. Now, let me sort of like break this down a little bit. So, first of all, it's you know, creators Ryan Murphy, who's behind American Horror Story, which often, like a lot of the times, is incredible. He often works with Evan Peters, who plays Jeffrey Dahmer. And I think Evan Peters, what everyone's saying about his performance in this is is incredible. It is a, a an amazing role. Where this comes a bit unstuck for me is this is 10 episodes, roughly an hour each. It really feels like a dragged out story for me. I kind of wish this was a, I reckon maybe six episodes. Mm. And I can kind of see where some of the the tension is with this show because even though Jeffrey Dahmer did like horrible things to people, it kind of glamorizes him as a serial killer. And I think that's where a lot of the fascination, I think, like people are, are generally fascinated with serial killers and the psychology behind it and, and the things that happen. And and I think, as I say, the Evan Peters' performance in this role, incredible. His his um his dad's played by Richard Jenkins. Again, incredible performances. Mm. I just it just went on a bit too long for me and I think it went from being kind of like a really interesting look to oh my god how many episodes have we got to go which is is never a good thing for me you know I don't like these things too long I do and um it's interesting because I this is on my radar this is this came up in our discord community this week I had my manager she mentioned it to me I've had you know my council of people that I talk to regularly they're all everyone's recommending it and rating it to me everyone no one has said you're the first person to bring something to it saying ah oh, i don't know and i love that because it's i need a balance sometimes because if when everyone hypes it up my expectations are completely raised and i'm going in expecting you know the the, the, and, the greatest thing of all time and i already went in with high expectations because i think of the fanfare around this and and maybe i'm just a messed up human being but the other like the other thing was like oh it's so dark it's so like there's a lot of implied things and there is some sort of gruesome scenes but this isn't con- this isn't constant gruesome it isn't constant blood and guts and murder like a lot of it is just kind of the you know something bad will be implied and then it'll kind of be be blood and stuff and th- there's only a couple of times where it really goes super dark um but I'll take because one of the things with Jeffrey Dahmer is so his journey kind of starts by collecting roadkill and sort of learning to do taxidermy on it. And I went for a walk yesterday, Paul. And 
Let's stop recording right now. (laughs) Yeah. I I live in a rural area and there's there's possum traps all around the place. And we literally see a a possum possum trapped. And it and and like I I'm kind of staring at it and Samara's like, What what are you doing? And she's I'm like, I've just got this like Jeffrey Dahmer, like (laughs) kind of like, do do we need to bring this home? What do we need to do with it? Um I don't know. It's I can see why people like it. I just don't think it's like people are talking about this being just like the TV show of the year. That this is nowhere near in my in my topless ball, and I know I'm probably going to cop some flack for it, but I'm I'm here bringing out the the half measures honesty. I love that. Like this is still going to stay on the list because uh, I I'm being talked into things that like my wife often brings me into these. Uh, like the staircase is a classic example this year of a show that I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is for me, a true crime story about Michael Peterson with Colin Firth and Tony Collette. And it's absolutely superb. And I loved every minute of it. So I wonder if that was an exceptional show or am I getting the, am I getting on board this train of of these sort of things? And I'm going to watch this and love it as well. So I'm, I'm now fascinated to see where I wind up watching this because, um, because yeah, it's number one on IMDb. It's got all the ratings. It's getting all the reviews. It hasn't passed the damn Wedding King test, and that is the only test that matters. Well, it's you know I'm even looking at the score right now. Eight point three overall, mm. number one on popularity. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm probably wrong here, but <laughs> I, I'll never admit it. You know, to each their own. If if we all like the same thing, a this podcast wouldn't exist, and b. No, well, I mean, Six Days, Seven Nights is one of the greatest movies of all time, and the rest of the world needs to understand that. Look, it's just like how Fast and the Furious, one of the greatest heist movies ever made. You know, like there's there's just different strokes for different folks. So yeah, this was a definitely a bit of a miss for me, and it kind of reminded me actually of why this this genre, like it just I don't know what it is, and I think this is better than like. Let me let me rephrase this. I think a lot of the times for me in this space, what frustrates me about true crime is when there's no conclusion. This is a little bit different because there there is a kind of a, a conclusion to it and it does sort of wrap up relatively tidily. But I don't, I don't know, just I, what, 10 episodes, like this, this isn't a 10-hour story, Paul, mm. you know? And... I had to give it the double thumbs down or single thumbs down on Netflix. Like, don't give me any more of these recommendations. Like, I'm going to stay true to myself next time the next hype train arrives on this true crime genre. Fun fact, I've never given a thumbs up or a thumbs down on anything on any platform. I, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't even think about it. And I really should because, of course, that's going to affect my algorithm. Do you know when I give a thumbs up, Paul, is when, you know, if I'm, like, letting someone in at, the, at an intersection – <laughs> or if if, I, if they're letting me in, somebody once gave me a thumbs up and I thought it was hilarious and now I do it all the time. So, you know, like rather than giving just the courtesy wave, I'm always like, you know, like a real like Facebook thumbs up to them. And that's normally where thumbs up happen for me. I've only done it a couple of times on Netflix. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, get this off my timeline. It's great. And I think, you know, who knows what the title of this episode is, but I'm a... I, I'm probably a messed up human being. Damn, Wedding King. That's that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a bit of a soundbite right there. Indeed, indeed. And so that is me this week. So loot on Apple TV, and then uh, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story on Netflix. What about you, Paul? Uh, okay, so for me, just one thing this week, um, other than our sort of two two shared things we're going to talk about, and. I tell you what, it's been a while since I sat down to watch something directed by Peter Jackson, and this therefore was a real treat, and it did not disappoint. I watched Get Back on Disney Plus, and honestly, this is extraordinary. So this is the, the Beatles. The Beatles Get Back. This is a documentary about the Beatles, um, shot in early 1969, all in studio footage. And I'm going to preface this by saying I am indeed a Beatles fan, a, a very big Beatles fan. I was in fact named after Paul McCartney, which I didn't discover until my 30s. Um, it's something that's always been there for me. And this this documentary is like nothing else. It's like they've uncovered gold because this is now you know over 50 years ago and the quality 
of the visuals of the sound if it was not for the fact that you're looking at john lennon and go on screen you would think you would never guess it was from that long ago it was an absolute treat of a watch and it's not the sort of thing i would necessarily normally bring to the podcast you know we don't talk about sport on this podcast you know we might watch some sport we don't talk about but you know we've brought a couple of music things to the pod lately and i just thought this is one i mean this is this has been you know seven hours 48 minutes this is a this is a big watch as well it's a big commitment the funny thing is is there is hours more of this footage and it's extraordinary that so much of this footage has never been seen by most of the world for so long it's been archived away and peter jackson massive Beatles fan, uh, just has created something really, really special. This is awesome. This is long been kind of, I guess, on my list to watch. Unlike true crime genre, I like, you know, much like talking about the Billy Irish. That's right. That's uh, what I was thinking. Day, like, I quite enjoy a bit of a, a, a music documentary. And so, yeah, I should definitely be watching this. In fact, until you brought it up, I kind of forgot that it existed. And I'm not even sure if I kind of made the connection that Peter Jackson was the director behind sort of pulling all this footage together. That's incredible. Yeah, um, he's he's definitely a huge fan. I remember I was at the Paul McCartney concert a few years ago up in Auckland and the, the camera switched over to him a couple of times, you know, in the, in the crowd. And um, it's interesting because I reckon around that time he would have probably been in the, in the, in the starting of, of doing this project. Um, but it's yeah, it is a real treat. Oh, you know, I mean, there's no spoilers here. This is 50 years old, but what I got out of this was just how great they are together. Like individually, they are all talented, but together they are just a force of nature. They each brought something that the other one didn't have. And whilst there's obviously difficulties towards the end, the music was always top notch. And and so what you get in this is you see them start from scratch, and so you see them. Uh, songs like get back or songs like let it be and others from this album being pieced together from an idea or from a melody and then developed all the way through to the vinyl version and then finally the li- the live performance on the roof which of course is what became the album it's uh it's just um for me it's like as close as to what it would be like to time travel as as because you know you never thought you would have had this much insight into them in the studio and it's just hours and at times, you know, you just watch them have their lunch and have conversations. And, and that sounds, you know, almost as boring as uh, it's just not. It just works. I mean, look at all the ratings have been so high on this as well. It's funny. I feel like with the Beatles, I actually didn't come in really to appreciate the Beatles until sort of much later in life. And it was, uh, I guess, there's two things that really I think about when I think about the Beatles. I think of Ringo Starr being on The Simpsons <laughs> and... I think of um, a Cirque du Soleil show that I went to in Las Vegas and oh, for the, yes. the, the, the Beatles. And it, yeah, and it was one of the greatest things I've ever been to. And from that, that, that turned me into a Beatles fan. Now they're a, a regular feature on my Spotify playlist. I was just going to say that Love Album, that Cirque du Soleil Love Album is is, is a really great album. Um, yeah, this this is – I think I think you'll love it. I think um, it's – yeah, they, they were just so ahead of their time musically and in just the way they thought about things. And even at this point, you know, they're recording their final ever album, their final ever live. You know, you sort of they put the captions up. This is the last time the Beatles were performed together. They were only like at this point. This is 1969. They were like 28, 29, and this is yet their album that they're viewed at as when they were really mature and you know, bringing out their more sophisticated stuff as opposed to the the um the mop heads or whatever you call them from, you know, she loves you and all the, all the early hits. It's, um, it, yeah, I've, I've no criticism of this in watching it, but I will say one thing that I learned through this was that Yoko Ono, she was on some other planet at this point in her life. I can't even fathom what she was doing, feeling or thinking, but she and John were very much made for each other. So there we go. Incredible. I am intrigued, inspired, and looking forward to checking this out. So, seven hours, did you say? That, that is seven a, hours, 48, a yeah. Of, a lot of content. So yeah, no, that's... Let's get back. Beatles get back on Disney+. Plus. And, yeah, so with a runtime of nearly eight hours, um, it's almost all I've got. But we do have a bit of a, like a last-minute shared watch that we can bring into the podcast this week, which is um, something that you mentioned to me off-air. Um, and... You said, "Oh, look, given given the nature of the day job, 
because you know half measures isn't the only job I have. The day job that I hold, you might find this interesting. And it's an Australian TV show called Utopia. And I was like, oh yeah, Australian. Oh, do I? I'll give it a go. I was hooked after the first episode, and I have now, like you, watched two seasons. Yeah, this is a this is a great little find, and I think it's it's largely quite unknown. Um, mm. When someone recommended this TV show to me, I was like, like first of all, like I feel like I've, I've got a pretty good understanding of what's on the different platforms and and what's. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, like I've done 136 episodes of this podcast. Like, like, not to be a dick about it, but I feel like it's like with these types of shows, you normally know about them or you've heard about them from other people, or they kind of come up as a bit of a, a recommendation. But this honestly had gone under the radar for me, and this you know started back in 2014, and it's if you're a fan of The Office, Parks and Rec, you work in an office particularly if you work in, in a government organization, mm-hmm. this show is, they have struck gold with it and it is the most wonderful, craziest thing to watch. I think I think the, the, the most crucial thing for me is if you have or still do work in an office environment and like you say, if it's, if it's something like public sector, government, central government, um, there's so much in here that you see day to day. And that has been my existence in my day job working for central government for 17 years now. It's, it's, um, yeah. So this, this is set inside uh, the offices of the nation building authority, the MBA, a newly created government organization responsible for overseeing major infrastructure projects, which also rings true with one of my previous employments. And there Dan, I feel like we could write a Kiwi version of this, and I'm pretty sure that you and I, between us, would have half the cast already picked as well. It's it's so good, and I think just to sort of like give you the premise of it, so newly formed government department, uh, ministers sort of wanting things, changing direction, projects kind of being like made up on the fly, projects going off the rails, a mixture of different levels of competency. This... This is a TV show has it all. Like this is when we talk palate cleanser. This this is what up there. Yeah, it is, and 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 the the way in which it's structured is that everyone in this this entire show is like if you think about it, for anyone who works in an office environment or a project environment, if you think about all the craziest of people you've worked with on projects, everyone in this office is all of those person personas except for two people, Tony and that they are essentially you you as the as the audience you are them because you're the one who's who's seeing this day in day out and you're feeling the pain of every situation every meeting they go into every phone call every person that comes to their office unannounced the character of Rhonda has borderline traumatized me to the point where it's just brought back so many memories of my career in the in the in the design chain space that it's um I don't know. Maybe it's just so real for for me, given the nature of the day job. It's just, it's. I can't thank you enough for finding this and recommending it. It's just superb. Yeah, I think it's. It almost takes. I think the. I think particularly for sort of for that. I guess Australian sort of audience sort of Australia New Zealand. It makes you know that the office is is funny, but some of the things that happen in the office are so American. It's a bit out of context. This just is so true to home it's 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 an incredibly fun watch i would almost advise kind of just get like if this sort of sparks any joy go into it don't worry about watching any trailers don't Mm. worry about sort of Mm. like just just go on the journey and you're going to have a a fantastic time i think shout outs for me i mean i've already mentioned ronda but as i say tony is just great because of course he he's the eyes through which you see most of it alongside him and that but the ones that just every time they come into the room i just have a smile before they even say anything is jim the the government liaison who is always positive about new projects and he's always looking for a positive spin from tony and doesn't want to hear any problems um and then possibly someone who i relate to possibly the most unfortunately is hugh <laughs> just like he's just trying his best but he's not quite got all the pieces together and he's 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 not cut out for this this the office politics 
Yeah, no, I was gonna. If you if you had me to guess who would be the other character, I would say Hugh. He, he's sort of got this like great innocent sort of charm about him, yeah. and you're right. Like he's he can't quite like he's he's competent but just. Yes, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever read my performance review? <laughs> yeah, it's uh oh look. Uh, Honestly, it's it's run for four seasons. Of, yeah, we're two seasons in, so there's two more to go. It stopped in 2019, um, and I just oh, I would love for it to go on longer. It's like it's like a like The Office, like a Kirby enthusiasm. You just want season after season after season. So I'm going to savor these last two because I have really rushed through the first two quite quickly. It's kind of like the I can't think of the name of it. The other Australian TV show I talked about. A couple of times here on in the early days of the pod, uh, and it's like a, a JB Hi-Fi type chain in Australia, and it's it's equally kind of like over the top. But this is this I think is is an even uh, higher tier of comedy. I have to see if we can find out what what that one is. But yeah, the 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 quality of the writing, just the real the nuances on the little things that you see day in day out. I yeah. I'm almost going to, you know, you should never put a guarantee on things, but I'm going to say if, if you work in an office environment and if you work in a government environment, I feel like I will be very surprised if this does not have you laughing. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, you can check that one out on Netflix here in New Zealand. Indeed. So so that's us this week, Dan, except for our movie of the week. Indeed. So uh, each week, Paul and I take turns choosing different movies of the week. Uh, if you want to find out what that movie is before we talk about it here on the pod, then you should follow and join our Discord channel where we announce it every week. This week, Paul, we are talking about The Matrix Resurrections. So, yeah, so we're going back to The Matrix um, what is this, uh, 17 years later after The Matrix trilogy. Uh, returning to a world of two realities, everyday life, and the other, what lies behind it. I did not see this movie coming. I remember the excitement and the hype when the, the rumors came out, and then we saw the, the confirmation, and then there was a couple of like, the first photos of it. And, and I, yeah, I feel like I've come to this quite late in the, in the game. But um, I, uh, shall I go first? <laughs> Can do, go for it. <laughs> I feel like... I, th- I feel like I'm a reasonably intelligent person. You know, we've just talked about I can just about hold down a day job competently. Just, just, just. You know, I, I pass maths and science at school. I can read, and yet then I have very little idea what actually happened in the Matrix Four. And you know, we, we, you and I have talked about movies like Tenet being complicated. But I feel like I could write you a comprehensive essay about what happened in Tenet compared to this new Matrix movie. Paul, I don't think I have been so dissatisfied with a movie in such a long time. Like, you think I'm hard on The Walking Dead and yes. even the, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. This was this was garbage. And I think they make a joke at the start of this movie about uh, Warner Brothers forcing them to make another Matrix game. That's right. And I, I feel like, is, is there some weird kind of irony playing out here that that's actually what happened? Because this movie, for me, like, if you haven't seen it, I would say don't watch it. It, it adds nothing to the Matrix story. Like already they were stretching it with sort of the second and, and third. This does nothing to kind of like, A, bring in new fans, or B, kind of like further kind of add weight to the story and I just I'm a bit like you like I found myself watching it not really kind of like understanding what the the main sort of plot or story was largely disliking a lot of what happens one of the, the I'm ranting now Paul <laughs> one of the things the matrix does best is it great fight scenes yeah particularly with sort of like like combining sort of martial arts and weapons most of the fight scenes in here were were pretty terrible mm-hmm. And I think this is a real case of like you've got this, you know, largely pretty great cast who, you know, I, I, I kind of believed in the cast, but I just thought the the storytelling, the premise of the movie, this was a, a real complete miss for me. Yeah. Like I, I can't argue with anything you said. I mean, on the positive side, yeah, the cast, I mean, having Keanu Reeves back as Neo, so exciting. Trinity, Carrie Ann Moss, you know, um, some others that played some parts in this who you know as characters 
gave good performances. Jessica Henwick as Bugs, who you know we enjoyed in uh, well, I enjoyed her in, in Iron Fist and a couple of other shows. Neil Patrick Harris was was good as the analyst in terms of what he did, but as a as a cohesive whole as a movie, this did nothing. This this is like whenever I and I've done it a couple of times, rewatch The Matrix. I always fall into that same trap of being hyped up and excited and then remember about 20 minutes into the second movie, oh, it's just the first one that's good and the two and three. And what the problem is with this movie is, and I don't know how they missed the memo on this, is they came in and this this Resurrections movie feels like, smells like, sounds like, looks like the second and third movie. What they needed to do was look at the, what made the first movie a resounding success and bring out the elements of that. And 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 instead we've got this mess of a story. And you know, like another TV series we talked about, Dark being complete. Yeah, I feel like I could go and do a master's degree on Dark compared, <laughs> compared to this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's such a shame, isn't it? Because I think you're right. Like the first Matrix movie. I think was just I think it just struck at an incredible time. I think it was was it ninety nine it came mm-hmm. out. Like we were kind of like right on the dawn of sort of the the real tech breakthrough. And I think like it just this just it, the first Matrix movie just like it sparked wonder, it sparked joy. It kind of was like just something so different. And I think they've never been able to sort of capture that lightning in a bottle ever again. And I think that the fourth movie, like it almost would have been better to tell a completely new story unrelated to the the sort of the the core matrix even dare i say it without county reeves because like, i just feel like you're chipping away at something that already is kind of like threadbare and sort of barely holding together and i just think like it's interesting right like this in 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 theory should be a movie that so many matrix fans were clamoring to watch mm-hmm. and i think it's it's kind of gone a bit under the radar because it, it has kind of just been a bit of a flop and I, I just don't understand how it's kind of got to this level. And even worse, I kind of felt like the way this movie kind of wrapped up, that there, there could be more. And I'm just like, no. That, yeah, that was my question for you. She was kind of like how um, the way they would left this movie clearly leaves the door open for a sequel, almost like they're expecting one. And I, I do wonder if they still will or if – the ratings, reviews, people like us talking about it, it has has spoken, and that such a sequel will will in fact never see the the light of day. But the way it finishes, you start thinking that that's the direction they're going to go. But um, the, I mean, this is there are still some things in this movie. You are going to get a few things out of it. I mean, I feel like Neo and Morpheus in particular have a few good one liners, and there are there you know, and you get some occasional cool effects but even some of the effects were a bit dodgy the bullet time was interesting um but it's not enough it's um if i can't understand i require like 75 percent of what's happening in a movie or tv show if i if i can't understand at least 75 percent, i'm never gonna enjoy it that much and it's just uh yeah it's just a shame it's a real like a real wasted opportunity um because there are some trilogies and some movie franchises which I just think, oh no, that's done. We're, n- we're never having that back. And we've had some things come back, and you just don't expect it. And when it's something like this, you just think, oh, could you at least do it right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I like I just don't even know how you can kind of get to this level with this type of film. And I kind of like the bits that I enjoyed most about it was I think when we were kind of. You know, we were Neo, we were Trinity. Once I kind of got past the, the the younger Morpheus, I was kind of okay about it. But I almost would have preferred, like, a bringing back the full older cast, right? Yeah, and I know that like, right. not all of them kind of exist, but I, I feel like that would have almost kind of made it made it better. Like I, I really, even though I think uh, Jonathan Groff, like, did a great job as, as Smith, I didn't. I, I want the original Smith. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it, it, it constantly threw me out of the this is the Matrix because I was having to be like, who are these characters? Like, oh, so you're supposed to be this character, and it was like a, mm. it was like the knockoff version of the original Matrix, and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a pass. It, it really is. And just a little peek behind the curtain, 
we were we came into this and we were like, oh, do we watch the whole trilogy? And I'm like, no, 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 no. A, I haven't got time, and B, I don't have the energy. And so we did the classic, oh, let's find a recap video. And we were like trying to find a recap video for the Matrix trilogy just to get us up to speed. But they were all like, I don't know, they were all over ten minutes. And for me, that's too long. I, I, I'm not into that. And so we're like, oh, let's just go in blind. We we were two minutes in, maybe three, and I paused it and I said, I have no idea why that's significant already. I don't understand. And I remember, oh, that's is that the Oracle or is it? Or, or. So we watched one of these ten minute plus recaps, and I came out of that none the wiser as well. <laughs> so it's just, oh no, it's um, it's amazing. This franchise has still, I think, largely has such a positive and cult following and, and love based on, I think, what is essentially probably 50% to three quarters of the first movie being just groundbreaking. And, mm. and, and like, you know, this was pre-cell phone or at least pre-smartphone. And um, I just think it was, it was great, but they didn't push the boundary and they just made it too complicated. And yeah, there we go. I'm going to give this a, a one gun ball. Yeah, I, look, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't often give the one gun, but it's a, a we'll take that Whiting King thumb and we'll turn it upside down. <laughs> it's like going a gladiator. Yes. You know, it's it's got to like rumble a little bit. Um, so if you do want to watch uh, The Matrix Resurrections, uh, Blessed Be the Fruit, you can watch that on Neon here in New Zealand. But uh, from us, it's a, it's a hard pass. I'm going to think I can predict your pick of the week, Dan, on the basis that you didn't have a uh, a good time with true crime and you sure as hell didn't have a good time with uh, the Matrix uh, Resurrections. But um, yeah, for me, uh, it's easy. It's get back. It's a, a genuine piece of music history and Peter Jackson did such a good job putting it all together. So get back for me. I'm going to have to go with loot because I think that's mm. the only thing I haven't really rented and <laughs> rented about for this whole podcast. So, um, and even that wasn't the greatest. It was just a an okay and a, and a sea of average this week, unfortunately. Maybe Utopia gets the nod after all. Yeah, maybe it does. Or, yeah, that prob- it probably should actually because that is such a quality TV show. Shall I uh, take us on over to the news desk? Let's go. All right. So... What have we got here? Let me just uh, get my life in order. So um, it looks like uh, the Rings of Power, which we still haven't reviewed here on the on the pod, mm. we are saving it all up. It looks like um, season two already looks to be underway, and there is talks that it could be a late twenty twenty three release of the second season. Um, but it is sort of noting even that would be a quite a big stretch for a, a big epic fantasy TV show. So hopefully that sort of season two release date uh, gets a little bit firmer as time goes on, but great that they're already talking about the potential of a a 23, maybe early 24. Cool. Uh, Over on the the Marvel space, so um, the Avengers Secret Wars brings on the Loki and Doctor Strange 2 writer. So this is Michael Waldron has joined the Avengers Secret Wars team, and this is going to be the Marvel movie which kind of wraps up phase six of the of the MCU. So that's a, a pretty big deal. And I think he's done a pretty good job on Loki and some good stuff on Doctor Strange too. So looking forward to seeing what direction that one takes. Uh, Community, the uh, much-loved TV show by many, unfortunately I'm not one of those people, um, is getting its long-promised uh, movie. God, I'm a real piece of work, aren't I, Paul? You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't like it and I need everyone to know. That's my that's my mo quite often. Yeah, so that's uh, it's finally after it's long been talked about six seasons, um, and now it looks like the movie is finally moving ahead. So great news for many people. I know a lot of people are fans of that TV show. Yeah, I, I kind of got like two and a half seasons in and was enjoying it, but just stopped for whatever reason and have never gone back. So that tells me that I couldn't have been enjoying it that much. I think I'm broken because I've tried so many times to watch that TV show again because so many people tell me it's good and it's I think maybe I just suffer from the the hype that gets around these things and then I'm I'm too hyped up. Um it looks like there is a new American Pie movie in in the works and they're looking to do a, a fresh take on this so who knew we needed another one of those movies but I guess uh old ideas are still good ideas so it looks like we'll be seeing something more in that space. 
uh, Kevin Bacon has joined the Beverly Hills Cop um, 4 movie, which is very exciting times. Amazing. I know you're a big fan, big fan, Paul. We're, in fact, we're both big fans. So great to have a, a classic 80s actor like Kevin Bacon in the mix. Uh, what else have I got here? So uh, Paramount removes the next Star Trek movie from its release schedule. So this is sort of the long talked about, uh, is it it'll be our fourth Star Trek movie, I believe, in the, mm. in the are we calling this the, the Kelvin timeline? Thank you. Well done. Oh, you're reading off the screen, aren't you? No, no, no. I uh, there was a no. I, I, I was going deep into the archives no. of my own uh, own brain for that one. So that that's a bit of a shame because I know that was a, a great cast behind it, and I imagine it would be a scheduling nightmare the more they kind of move these things around. So we'll be interesting to see what happens there. And final two bits of news for me. So the MCU's Blade will no longer be directed by Basim Tarek, which is um. Unfortunate times. So there's been a bit of bad press around the new Blade movie of over the last sort of week or so, where uh, basically the the main actor has been very unhappy with kind of the the way the movie's heading, some of the the script. The director's now stepped aside. He's going to stay on in a executive producer capacity, but looks like they're going to be needing a new director, which isn't great for sort of a you know this is a movie that would probably bring in more fans to the MCU. So hopefully they can write that ship sometime soon and then final bit of news this is hot off the press fraser is getting a sequel and it's confirmed for paramount plus ladies and gentlemen paul is currently he's dancing in his room he is very happy about this this is the only piece of news i had to come in and i was going to come in with you know hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs and i was going to see how long it took before you joined in i am so excited about this and also so nervous about this because this is one of my, you know how most people were sort of friends uh, or Sex in the City in the 90s, you know, in the 90s, Frasier was always my go-to more so than friends. I absolutely, and I, of course I love Cheers and then seeing Frasier was just great. And so it, it's all confirmed. Kelsey Grammer is returning for a prequel series. I, I just don't quite know how it's going to happen. I know David Hyde Pierce, Jane Leaves, Perry Gilpin have all been asked. He get grammar hopes that they come back. I can't again. You know, we're talking about the Matrix. You can't believe that they'd make another. It's been so long, and you know, none of these guys are getting any younger. I, but I'm going to be here for it a hundred percent. I uh, just Kelsey Grammer's voice is just you know, I mean, sideshow Bob or, or whatever. But his 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 Frasier voice and particularly his relationship with Niles. This this was the 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 piece of news that came in, and I was just like. Wow. Great times for those Fraser fans. So yeah, that is the uh <laughs> that is the news news this week. <laughs> Getting a real vibe from you down that you're like, I I really am not bothered about Fraser whatsoever. <laughs> I look I wasn't gonna say Paul, but while we're just sort of peeling back the curtain. Yeah. So I think this is one of those those things where sometimes I think I feel like our age difference doesn't come up very often, but this is one of those things for me that like, because I, I remember Fraser too, and I remember my, my parents really went into it, and there's not that much of a difference in our, in our ages, like it's only a couple of years, but it's, I remember probably playing video games, and my, my dad in particular just loving when Fraser was on, and it just, I surfacely know that um, his dad has a chair that doesn't match the rest of the furniture, <laughs> he's a retired cop with a dog. Niles comes in a little bit. It's got some weird cheers connections, but I, I like I, I don't have a high awareness of it. But I feel like it's probably a show that I would like. But I'm just, it, it's sort of newish to me. You know what I mean? I, I wonder if anyone who didn't watch it at the time would watch it now and like it. You know, it's kind of like if you didn't watch it, then you might not like it now, sort of thing. So that'd be an interesting test because I think we should do a rewatch of all of Cheers and Frasier just to really put that to the test. Um, are they are they brought in the same universe? Like, yes. Is it the, so, okay. so Frasier, Kelsey Grammer's character, was one of the regulars that came into the bar with Woody yeah, Harrelson. I remember that. Yeah. And so, and then when that series ended, and you know Ted Danson and Woody and all that went off their own way, we follow the the Frasier Crane story uh, with his radio show. And um, in many ways, it's controversial, but you know, Better Call Saul being potentially better than Breaking Bad. People say Frasier potentially was a better series than cheers which is you know a big call but um look i'll be talking about this on the podcast as and when it comes out so we'll we'll maybe save that conversation for now 
<laughs> Indeed. So, any other news from you, or is that a is that a wrap? Room of the mailbag. That's that was a wrap. The the mailbag. Um, uh, what have I got this week? So, uh, so the writer of Anatomy of a Scandal, Sarah Vaughan, uh, shared our post about the series on her social media, which was which was awesome. I had a look at her Twitter, and this year, Anatomy of a Scandal, which I talked about on the pod you know, last week, was number one on Netflix in 81 countries. And it was the only show this year to dethrone Bridgerton for, for viewing figures. Um, so another shout out to the show and recommendation for me to go watch it for sure. Um, speaking of top shows, if you haven't looked already, Dan and I have both published our top 10 lists for the last few years on our website. Just go to halfmeasurespodcast.com and click on top picks. Uh, we've also included our top movies. And so Patty. Oh, Paddy from Time Traveling Tink Podcast has taken a look at that page and he has submitted for us his own top 10 movies of all time for us to consider, which I love because we've had we've had Michael from North Carolina with his top 10 TV series. We had uh, Matt from the Marlborough region uh, give us his top 10 crime series. And so Paddy's given us his top 10 movies of all time. Here we go. Number 10, Where Eagles Dare. Number 9, Blazing Saddles, eight, Keys of the Kingdom, seven, Twelve Angry Men, the nineteen fifty seven original that is, and number six, How the West Was Won, five, Big Trouble in Little China, I think I got the title right this time, number four, A Night at the Opera, number three, Tombstone, number two, Return of the Jedi, uh, but number one, which according to Paddy is number one by some distance, is the 1982 Kurt Russell sci-fi horror, The Thing, um, which uh, is about a, a research team in Antarctica that gets hunted by a shape-shifting alien that can then uh, take on the appearance of its victims. What do you think, Dan? Have they not had a, a Netflix update in Cork for a few years? <laughs> <laughs> what I appreciate about this list is there's not a single movie in there from the last 30 years. The closest, I had a look, uh, the closest is Tombstone, which, of course, we reviewed with Paddy all the way back mm. in podcast eight, uh, episode 57. So this is this is someone who who knows what he likes. There's, you know, there's a real good dose of Westerns in there, you know, Blazing Saddles, How the West Was Won. Now, there's, there's, there are some good choices in there. I always uh, appreciate a bit of petty insight into, into how he thinks. Yeah. Well, anyone who listens to his podcast with, with Trisha, uh, Time Traveling Team Podcast, will not be surprised to hear that The Thing was number one. Because he manages, I would say in one in th- one every three podcasts, he manages to make some sort of connection between the Doctor Who story and The Thing. It's incredible. Um, so, yeah. So, thank you for sending that in. But I always love, I love hearing other people's top tens and seeing how wrong they've gone compared to mine. It's, it's, it's always fascinating. It is interesting. Eh? Like the other day I was talking to some, uh, some colleagues about, about the podcast and they were, they were generally shook that this podcast existed. <laughs> and then they were, existed. they were asking, asking questions about like what type of things we watch. And then they were sort of just like rattling off movies, but have you reviewed this? Have you reviewed this? Have you reviewed this? And one of them was The Princess Bride. And I know that we've kind of talked about this movie a little bit in the past, but it's like, you know, movies that people are super passionate about and they are looking for one one view only. Yep, that's right. And look, I think if it gets asked for, if it gets requested, sometimes I think it needs to go into the mix for our movie of the week choices. Um, We've got some old school movies in there. We need to add that to the mix. Indeed. Uh, what else have I got? So, oh yeah, uh, last week's peak performance, we had uh, Matt Damon and we had a couple of things come through. We had uh, Ryan from Oakland went with Invictus, although he does say minus the accent. Um, <laughs> now far be it for me to question anyone's peak performance choice, but surely this role, the accent was so crucial that it was part and parcel of that South African you know that for it to be a peak performance minus the accent i find that a curious choice but i appreciate it all the same um sador from our discord uh he gave us a three two one uh 30 rock ford versus ferrari and number one performance was his role in the talented mr ripley um good choices there 
Do you know what's outrageous, Paul? Is like, so you and I are the host of this podcast and we do an honourable <laughs> mention and a peak performance. Paddy, he is a, a silent member of this podcast and he's stuck with his 321 and the, and the listeners are also doing the 321. Like, yeah. we're clearly not in control of this ship. Yeah, well, <laughs> wait till I get to Paddy. Um, our Patreon producer, Diana, uh, agreed with you and went with uh, the role of Jason Bourne. Um, but Paddy has decided to extend his 321 to include an honorable mention. <laughs> so it's incredible. He, he's like he's like the chairman of the Half yeah. Measures podcast. Like he just does whatever he wants. Yeah. I love and it. And we can't fire him. It's like, you know, it's like we're just sort of waiting for him just to get bored and you know, he's like, oh, when's that person gonna leave? You know, now he's got an honorable mention. Um yeah. the honorable mention is Team America, which I thought was Amazing. a great shade. And then the traditional three, two, one from Paddy, uh, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, saving Private Ryan and peak performance, unsurprisingly for Paddy, was a yet another Western, uh, True Grit, opposite. Oh, um, great chef. Yeah, Jeff Bridges, Josh Brolin, Haley Steinfeld. So, um, yeah. Damn it. I, I hate it when the board cheers right. Yeah, I know. God. That's why he still got the job. But, um, yeah, lots of, you know, so many great movies in there. No one went with Goodwill Hunting, which I kind of thought might be in the mix, but um, it's a good mix nonetheless. And that's, uh, that is the mailbag this week, Dan. All right. Shall we uh, jump into our peak performance for the week? Indeed. So like our movie of the week, each week, Dan and I take it in turns to take a look at someone's career in Hollywood and try and pick out what we think is their best performance. And this week uh, we have Lena Headey, Dan. All right, so this was a, a relatively easy choice for me this week. I'm going with uh, two TV shows, and I imagine we might have some crossover here, Paul. But so, first of all, I'm going with uh, Lena's 2008 role as Sarah Connor in the Sarah uh, Connor Chronicles. This is a, a much loved TV show of uh, both of ours on the pod, and it was sort of a so good to have a, a, a Terminator TV show that was sort of like these weekly great episodes and really kind of connected particularly sort of to the Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. And it was a um, a series which we sort of called out in the early days of the pod of cancelled too soon. Mm. And I think as soon as it got those wobbly legs, it kind of like sort of started to falter a little bit in the, in the final sort of part of season two. But I think this is a, a TV show I would easily welcome back largely with the same cast as well. I just think Lena played a, a fantastic Sarah Connor. I really loved her in this. And as I say, would love to have her back. Mm. Then I can't go past for my actual peak performance. Lena's role is Cersei Lannister in the Game of Thrones. She is the, the Lannister queen that everyone loves to hate, but there's undoubtedly a fantastic performance through um, all eight seasons of Game of Thrones and even though you know I'm a bit salty about the ending I'm slowly coming to terms with it with House of the Dragon it's bringing me back deeply into the Game of Thrones universe I still think about Cersei's character the way that uh, Lena brought her to life just incredible so for me the uh, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles and Game of Thrones how about you Paul? Appreciate it Dan uh so my honourable mention, uh, I'm going all the way back to 1997 uh, for her role in a movie called Face. Um, and this is a movie she stars uh, opposite Robert Carlyle, uh, Ray Winstone, and even Damon Albin from Blur, believe it or not. And she she plays the part of of, uh, of Connie, a, a character that has a very volatile relationship with Robert Carlyle's character. And... The two of them are very, very convincing as this couple in this movie. And, and this was actually one of her very first movies, and I just thought she was great. It's one of those British crime action thrillers that, for me, falls into the same sort of, like, it sort of defined UK movies in the 90s, like Lockstock or, or Love, Honor, and Obey or Train Spotting, that sort of thing. Um, and I really enjoyed it. This was also one of the first few movies I brought back on DVD, if you remember the days of buying things on physical media then. So... Vaguely. Yeah, so that's my uh, my honourable mention. But yeah, you, you're quite right. Peak performance is as Sarah Connor in the 2008 Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. And funnily enough, then actually, you'll recall maybe I don't know a year or so ago when I rewatched all the Terminator movies. It was around that time that we were in lockdown here in New Zealand with uh, COVID nineteen, and so as a lunchtime 
watch, you know, because, you know, you're at home, even like we had the kids home as well from school. And so my, my son was huge on the Terminator movies. He was loving it. So we thought, oh, should we try the Sarah Connor Chronicles? And we, and we put it on. We were, we were buzzing along halfway through season one and then lockdown ended. The dark times returned. We had to go outside again and <laughs> we just never found the time. We never went back to it. And I think, I think we should have, because it is great. I think it was like, as you say, it was cancelled too soon. We've talked about it. It was an impossible job for anyone to come in and try and take on a role that Linda Hamilton had made so good. But I thought she was great in it. I thought, I just loved how we got to explore the character so much more than the movies ever could. I, I loved that relationship that she had with John, with John being that bit older than he was in Terminator 2. And I think, to be honest, I agree with you. I think Thomas Decker, Sam McLaren, and, and Lynn Hedy, I thought this was a really neat show. If the three of them wanted to come back and, and reboot, I would say go for gold. Mm, no, definitely. I I want you to get back into it, Paul. I mm. think you need to bring this back. It's a, This would be a great rewatch for the pop. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Well, I guess that uh, brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Meshes podcast. Does indeed. Thanks for listening in, as always. Um, get in touch with your people from Selena Hedy. Uh, if you can pick an all-time top 10 movies list, um, i tell you what, it's harder than it looks to pick just 10. Um, we'd love to hear from you at halfmeshespodcast.com. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Trisha Brady, and Diana Kanawa. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.